0: Hi, my name is Craig Tim, and you're listening to The Craig Tim Show. Each time that we get together, I'll be sharing God's message on living the Christian life, helping us get through our daily walks, going around those bumps in the road, getting across those streams that are too far to jump across, helping us to not be weary and to move forward with His promises. He's going to be there for us each day if we believe and if we just ask him. He'll be there. He's going to be giving us inspirational encouragement to overcome the enemy in all of the areas of our life. Today, I want to start off by telling you about a politician in England during the late 1700s and early 1800s. His name was William Wilberforce. He served in Parliament during a time that would impact not only England, but the world, including the United States. Now, during his time in Parliament, he was introduced to the horrors of the slave trade. He met former slaves, and he saw the scars from the whips and the branding irons all over their bodies. He even went aboard slave ships. He saw the conditions that they lived in. Those slaves were stuffed inside the crates and the bottom of the ships by hundreds, and many, many millions died during this time on the dirt journey. And when they did, they were just tossed overboard like a dead fish. He saw the quote, civilized British Empire exploiting and even profiting from the sale of human beings. Oh, I wonder, that sounds so familiar about human trafficking that the United States is dealing with, and the world is even dealing with today. I wonder if there's a correlation with that. That's for another story. It didn't take too long before he came to the realization that God was leading him to do something about this travesty. Now, he had recently given his life to Christ, and he was struggling with the question of whether he was to serve God or through his country, through Parliament. And while he struggled with that question, one day, as he was just sharing, the lady said to him, something that charted his destiny for the next 50 years. And she said, Sir, I would suggest that you just do both. Oh, the light bulb went off, ding! And so... He did. Wilberforce served God and the cause of the abolition of slavery relentlessly. He lived long enough to see this take place in the British Empire. It was abolished. It was such a long and a weary fight for him, and in the end, it cost him his life because he actually did pass away three days after the abolition of slavery was passed in Parliament. It actually did cost his life. We just finished an election year here in 2020. And I'll be honest with you, I hate elections. I hate almost everything about them. Maybe hate's a little strong, but you know what I'm saying. For the last eight months of the year, or maybe even longer, we were all swamped with campaign ads for politicians and their issues and their promises on every single channel that you turn the TV on. And then our phones were ringing off the hook, cell phones buzzing with texts as the politicians had their people contacting us to convince us to vote for them. I find it a bit ironic, though, as I'm thinking about this, that the politicians, you know, they passed a bill a while back that allowed us to block the telemarketers. But they don't block the politicians. Huh. That's interesting. Now, don't get me wrong, though, I think this is the greatest country in the world. We have so much going for us. We have a system that allows the greatest number of people to participate in these elections and be part of the betterment of our country. And I think it's safe to say that most of us get really tired of all the politics we hear day in and day out. And even when it's not election year, we continually hear it. And when we're faced with the facts that we have to operate within this political system in order to see things happen and get things done or changed. I have to tell you, I believe it's time for the church to finally step up, speak out, and be involved. And do not fear all of those people that say separation of church and state that has no meaning in the Constitution whatsoever. A story for another time. As you know, life is full of ups and downs. Things don't always go as planned, of course not, but frustrations and irritations and agitations, they're all inevitable when they don't go as planned. But in spite of all we go through for the kingdom's cause, we must never give up. Never give up. I want you to listen closely to this profound poetic proclamation here that i found when things go wrong as they sometimes will when the road you're trotting seems all uphill when funds are low and debts are high you want to smile but have to cry when cares are pressing you down a bit rest if you must but don't you quit we must continue to press our way to the finish line because greater is he that is with within us than he that is in the world. Stand on that one now. Now, I know it gets hard, but don't quit. I encourage you, don't quit. I know the journey can be tedious, but don't quit. I know you get tired of being lied on, talked about. Backs get pushed to the wall all the time. But we must be mindful that no weapon formed against us will ever prosper. Paul writes in Galatians 6, 1-10. through Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions, and then they can take pride in themselves alone, Without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should share all good things with their instructor. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whenever he sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit, will reap eternal life. Verse 9, listen close. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Verse 10. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. And that's Galatians 6, 1 through 10. Read it, soak on it, and let it indwell your spirit. And that leads us to today's message. The title is, maybe you guessed it, Never Give Up. That's the title of today's word. I know it can be discouraging to continue to do what is right and neither hear a word of thanks or appreciation nor see any real tangible results. The Apostle Paul not only challenges the Galatians in his book, but he also challenges us. Read it and First term's for you. And he also gives us all encouragement to not give up, but to keep doing good and trust God for the results. Did you know that as believers in Christ, all of us are called to labor for the Lord? Did you know that? And as we labor for the Lord, the temptation to become weary can present a major obstacle that we all have felt at one time or another, or maybe even more times than we can count. But speaking of temptation, which, a quick little commercial break, I have spoken about this in other podcasts. Just look them up on the menu when you get to uh, your favorite podcast site, and you can scroll down there and you can see all the other messages God has given us. We have spoken about temptation a number of times already. But have you ever wondered why opportunity knocks once? Yet temptation bangs on your door constantly, day after day after day. Do you find this true in your life today? Maybe yesterday. Maybe it'll be true in your life tomorrow. Maybe it's true every day for you. That temptation is banging on the door, banging on the door. Where are you? Where are you? Let me in. I have something for you. You see, supermarketers have learned that we are easily tempted. They try to take advantage of our emotions all the time. That's what they get paid to do. Why do you think they place snacks and soft drinks and magazines near the cash registers where we have to wait in line? Start reading the cover. Start thinking about, ah, you know, what? I could have that little snack. It doesn't take much. But that's why the C-Stores want you to come inside after you get gas for your car. They make more money from you inside than they do outside of the gas pumps. You realize they only earn one maybe 2 cents per gallon is all. They don't make hardly anything the gas. The gas is just to get you to come in the store. But did you know a medium-sized soda for example, it may cost the store let's say 20 cents, but they charge you a buck 29. Now that is a big profit margin for them. Anything in the store is a big profit margin for them. That's why they want you to come in. Did you realize that there are those who would try to put stumbling blocks in your path also? There are those who will set traps for you. There are those who will attempt to distract you. There are those who will criticize your good works day in and day out. And then there are those who will even try to turn others against you. So let me ask you another question here today. What are the things the enemy is trying to tempt you with? What do you think? Just pause a second. What What's the enemy t- trying to tempt you with today? Now, to understand our temptations and where they come from, it is helpful to consider what drives us. What we have desires for. Or, let me rephrase that for a moment. What are your desires? And from there, you will begin to understand The strength of your temptations. How about more money? A good career. Desire to be strong. Not just physically, mentally, psychologically, emotionally. Right? Be strong. Desire to be seen successful. Maybe environmental friendly. Wealthy. Loving. Perhaps your desire is to have a comfortable retirement. Or to be the one who has all the answers with all the subjects all the time how about that again what do you desire much of what drives us are not necessarily bad though actually part of what i want to address today is that the fact that even with good causes we can become tired and we can become tempted to just be quiet and not make waves to those around us however they also are potentially dangerous. And they are potentially the weak points that each of you need to be aware of. Satan can and Satan will use them to lead you away from God and his approach to life. So, i like a quick moment here and let's have a look at how this might work. For example, one of my desires is to try and be a really good dad. Most people would say, Craig, that... You know what? That's honorable. That's a really good thing. What do you think? Is trying to be a good dad something good? I would guess your answer probably is, yeah, that's something good. But in my desire to be a good dad, there are times I get angry with my children. I get angry and I fall into the temptation to yell at them. And when I give in to that temptation, I have unjustly punished them. Right? At times, I expect them to be perfect little angels, majority of the time, anyway, and other times, I let them get away with too much. My desire to be a good dad on some occasions becomes more about how I look than about loving my kids and to my kids, I say, "Oh, I'm sorry, honey, will you please forgive me?" but Unfortunately, I've already fallen for Satan temptation to be more concerned about my desire to be seen as a good dad, than to being a good dad. The reality here is that Satan will use what our desires are in life to distract us from God. And this, this is falling into the temptation traps. Satan tempted Jesus with three things that most of us would and probably could be easily tempted with. If we go to Matthew chapter 4, we see that the Spirit of God led Jesus into the wilderness. Chapter 4 verse 1 says, Then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. It even tells him that that's why he went in there. He was led in there to be tempted. God himself had placed Jesus in that situation where he could be tempted by Satan. And we look how Satan attempts to tempt him. Food, growling stomach, thirsty, parched. Most of us are probably tempted by particular foods that we really enjoy. Well, Jesus was out in the wilderness fasting before he commenced on his ministry. Verse 2 says, after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. I would say so. And verse 3 says, the tempter came to him, Jesus, and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. What an attractive proposition to say the least, especially after fasting 40 days and 40 nights. I would be really hungry too. But you know what? Jesus did not fall for this trick. Just imagine for a moment. What if Jesus had turned those stones into bread to satisfy his hunger temptation? Life as we know it would not exist today, though. Satan again tried to tempt Jesus by encouraging him to place himself at the center of attention. But Jesus was aware that he was on his father's mission and he didn't need others to see him as someone spectacular. And it wasn't the time for him to be the center of attention, nor the way he was to do it. Satan also tempted Jesus with a fraud. Verse 8 says, Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. I have to say, that's a bit like me saying to my daughter... You know, honey, you can have all the money in your money box so long as you clean the bathroom. Well, that's kind of ridiculous because she already owns the money in her box. And likewise, Jesus already owns the world. He didn't have to bow down in front of it. He already owned it. The Satan could not give it to him because he already had it. And thankfully, Jesus responded in verse 10. He said, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him daily. Does this not sound like the same temptations the devil tempts you with sometimes? Desire to provide for ourselves and our family. Desire to have some kind of power. Desire to be seen to be good amongst everybody else. These temptations are only part of the big temptation plan Satan places in our lives. His goal is to have you stop focusing on God and God's agenda and focus your attention everywhere else. And it does this by either engaging you to have as the number one priority in your life your own agenda, or, of course, Satan's agenda, which is for you to have your own agenda, by the way. So both agendas kind of are the same, if you think about it. Satan will put questions in your mind like, Surely God doesn't want you to miss out. It sounds like that slithering snake that did this same conversation with Eve in Genesis chapter 3. The same thing. Satan's always wanting us to have a priority ourselves, society, or Satan himself. And yet following God's agenda means we will be cared for by God. Why would we want that? Why would we want the Satan thing when God's going to take care of Remember in verse 10 when Jesus told Satan, he Hit the road, Jack. Verse 11 says, Then the devil left him, and angels came and attended to him. The fact is although at times focusing on yourself or what the world thinks or what Satan offers can appear far more attractive on the surface, but what God offers is far better and will outlast anything that Satan tries to offer you. Just remember that and stand on that each day of your temptations. God's agenda is that which he wants you to receive. Satan, on the other hand, is quite happy in you, simply just loving yourself first and being conceited and just going about your ways. Surprisingly, Satan doesn't always mind if you're listening to God, provided you always put yourself or the world's ideas first. You can hear all you want about God. As long as you put in those other things first, he's perfectly happy. There's a story written by a man regarding temptation. It goes something like this it's just a cute little story here. And he says. While my wife and I were shopping, a beautiful young woman in a short, skimpy dress strolls by. Immediately, my eyes follow her all the way down the aisle. And without looking up from the item that my wife was examining, she says, Was it worth the trouble you were now in? See, sometimes temptations can lead us into real trouble. When we succumb to being tempted by Satan away from God, is it really worth it? Is it really worth risking all that God promises you versus a short-term, more immediate satisfaction from Satan? Now, some advice regarding dealing with temptation is very useful. However, think about it for a moment. It is not going to work on all occasions. Why not? Well, because many of the things that tempt us are constantly around us. And if we were to hide ourselves from everything that could possibly tempt us, there is nowhere we could go. In fact, the reality is that we'll be surrounded by things that tempt us each day. And at times we'll fall for these temptations. So stay away from everything that tempts you. Is not always possible because it's around you all the time. However, though, Jesus Christ... God does offer us another approach to dealing with temptation. The good news is that God's entire approach to life revolves around forgiveness. If we have fallen for any temptation, then we still always have hope God will forgive. Remember, the angels will minister Tarnians too, just like he did when, when he came out of uh, uh, the w- wilderness. And this is possible because Jesus did not give in to temptation. Because Jesus remembered his purpose was to serve God's agenda of forgiveness for you. It is because Jesus worshipped the Lord and served only him. Jesus followed God's agenda perfectly. An agenda which has saving you in mind. So this past week or month, or months perhaps, if you have succumbed to temptation Confess your sins to God and allow him to forgive you. Ask him to help you overcome these temptations. And rather than use the gifts and talents and money and your time for your own selfish agenda, ask God to help you see how you can use those gifts for his agenda. And remember that Jesus is not being tempted by Satan is able to deliver to you what you have no hope of earning yourself. And that, my friends, is eternal life. Satan can't give you that. Only God can. With all the troubles going on around us today, sometimes, no, many times, all we want to do is just give up and say to the Lord, Stop it! Lord, just stop it! Make it stop! Becoming weary means that we feel beaten out and worn out and worn down. And of course, we can end up feeling discouraged and... Oh, poor is me. Other definitions of worry can say you're disgusted, exhausted, become increasingly impatient with life. Hurry up and be done. But in our main scripture today, Galatians 6.9, Paul is encouraging the Galatians not to become worn out doing good. And the same verse, same words, they're also meant for you and I today too. On our journey through these times, We can sometimes feel disheartened, yes. But we must endeavor to be faithful unto God. I want to encourage you that giving up is not an option for a child of God. I'll say it again so it soaks in. Giving up is not an option for a child of God. So as I begin to close, let me give you a remedy for overcoming your weariness how's that most of the time we tell you we give you a message and you go and try to figure it out but a lot of times that is left out how do we overcome that Craig how do we what what, what can I do I'm, I'm kind of lost here because I'm just in a circle of disappointments and so forth so anyway we must have an unyielding faith in God to sustain us that's the first thing an unyielding faith in God to sustain us. We must have a have a prayer-filled life. Jesus proclaims in Luke 18.1 that men ought to always pray and not give up. There it is, not give up. We've come to church too many times to give up now. And we've prayed too many prayers to give up now. We've cried too many tears to give up now. And we've labored too long to give up now we have fought the good fight of faith to give up now we have held up the blood-stained banner too long to give up now and we have come too far to give up now we must be bathed in his word psalm 1 verses 1 and 2 says blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. Verse 2 says, But whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on His law day and night. In Matthew twenty-eight twenty, Jesus encouraged us. He's assuring you by telling you, And surely I am with you always, To the end of the age. Never give up. And never give in. I'm telling you. For God. He is your preserver. Your provider. And your protector. Forever and ever. Amen. And amen. Be blessed. And seek the Lord. In all you do each day. We'll talk next time. Bye bye.